Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, professors of theater education, and teaching artists that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. So grab your coffee or glass of wine, plug in your headphones, or turn up your car stereo, and relax. Thanks for joining me for these heartwarming conversations and practical advice from other theater teachers on the front lines making a difference in their students' lives each and every day. I'm very excited to welcome to this episode of Fed Talks, one of my very own uh, from ISU, who is now teaching at Johnson Elementary School in Chicago. Uh, Sarah Esparza is joining us this morning, and I recently talked with Cody, and I reminded him, Sarah, that Cody, Melanie, and you were the first students I met as an official professor at ISU when you all swarmed me at that first meeting and uh, I am so happy to see you on the screen still in front of me and part of my life so welcome to the show Um, tell us a little bit about Sarah and and your journey of where you where you started with your love for theater to where you are now at Johnson Elementary incredible thank you so much for having me and thank you for creating this space for theater educators to have a really cool resource at hand. So yeah, I am a second year uh, drama teacher at Johnson Elementary School. I graduated from Illinois State University in 2021. And I've been involved in theater for a little under two decades. When I was about seven years old, I just had so much energy all the time. As you will probably be able to tell by the end of this episode, I love to talk. I just have so much to say all the time. And when I was younger, my parents were like, we need to put this girl somewhere. I don't know where, but we got to get this girl somewhere. Um, And we flipped through like the community, uh, like, what was it? Like the Park District catalog. And there's a play and auditions coming up. And that's that's been that since. I joined that community theater uh, with, I'm going to mention her name because she's incredible. And I'm going to send her this. Uh, Her name is Dawn Leader Peloso. And I did community theater with her from the time I was like seven to about 12, 13. And yeah, we, I just had the coolest group of kids that I would work with there. And it, just every single show we worked on and even times we weren't working on shows, we stayed so connected. And we just had this bond that made no sense to my friends at school that made no sense to anybody else but ourselves. And it was just this sense of family and community that I had outside of my own family. And that was super cool to have, especially at such a young age. And so I feel like that sense of community came first and then the love of theater sort of came next. I loved being on stage. I, my first play though, I had one, I had one word. I, I, I didn't even have a line, I had one word. And I still kept coming back after that just because that sense of belonging was so, was so like big for me. Um, so yeah, then once I got to high school, I continued through um, my journey into high school theater. And that was where things really sort of picked up uh, with J.R. Rose and uh, Dill Bonavia Galagani and Janine Stromer. Those were such key players into who I am today that JR is actually the person who pointed me the direction to Dr. Christman's program. 
and I just never looked back. That uh, yeah, I in it was my senior year of high school, and I didn't know. I knew I wanted to do something with theater, or I was considering social work. I just knew I wanted to do something with other people because that has just always been something that was important to me. And so I did. So then, I, but I didn't know if I wanted to do acting or directing or what my options were with that. And, you know, when you're a senior in high school, you're really thinking, okay, well, what's, what's going to get a paycheck? What can I, what can I do to make money? And I didn't have the, the drive, frankly, to do auditions and not get cast and have, <laughs> like, I shout it to all actors out there. Cause y'all got this kind of hustle that I do not. And so I, I just didn't know what my options were. And JR pulled me aside one day and was like, have you heard of theater teacher education? And I was like, huh? And he was like, there's this program at Illinois State. I think you would be a really good fit for it. Uh, let me give you the link. And he, and then here I am today. I, I joined theater education at ISU. And freshman year, I, I met Cody and Melanie was my roommate. And I just, I never, like, turned heads, really. I considered toying with being a kindergarten teacher. I considered, uh, that was really it. But other than that, theater education, I never strayed ways with majors or anything. And then I was looking for jobs at the end of graduation. And then I got my job at Johnson. And here I am. Well, the, the, the whirlwind. And, and you, you mentioned JR. And he was on, on last, last season. And I know he and I talked yes. a little bit about you then. So this is kind of a fun full circle moment. Um, Love it. Talk a little bit about, um, a little bit more about that, that, that love of community more than theater. Um, I love how you put that and, and that sense of belonging. Um, what, mm-hmm. Go a little bit more into what that did for you as a child and wh- how does that translate into what you're doing now? Oh, wow. Uh, well, first, yes, I did listen to that episode with JR. I appreciated my little shout out in there because I was kind of <laughs> listening like, are they not going to talk about me? Hello. <laughs> but yes, not to be biased, but that was my favorite episode last season. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, yeah, and I don't even think I realized till right now that it was that sense of community that came first for me uh, over theater because it was just somewhere where the other kids were just as silly as I was. They were just as weird as I was. When I was in about third or fourth grade, I ate lunch by myself. I was a new student to the district in first grade when everyone had been together since preschool. And it wasn't until like end of second to third and then fourth where I finally had like a group where I was like oh yeah we eat lunch together Mm. you know I just kind of sat on myself and did my own thing and I didn't think it was weird or anything was off about that until somebody told my mom who worked at the school that I'm eating lunch by myself (laughs) and I think that was kind of also where you know she made sure I knew when auditions were she made sure I was registered for everything uh, because she wanted me to have this you know this group of friendship that's so important at that age. But I just was so always in my own head. I always was in my own imagination. I always was drawing. I always had little toys in my pocket to to play with. And, you know, it sounds sort of sad to say out loud, but that was just who I was. And like, I was satisfied with that. And so having that group that where, you know, in the evenings after school or on weekends, we were together the whole day. Uh, was just so 
Oh my gosh. And I still track, like, I'm not friends really with, I don't hang out with those people anymore, but I still have connections to all of them. And those people are, oh, have such a special place in my heart because it gave me an outlet for my imagination because they were on the same wavelength as me. So, and then today what I do now, I'm teaching preschool to eighth graders, which that's a wide range. And when it really came to that younger group, especially like third, third and under, everything I do is less about drama and more about creativity and imagination. So I'm not really trying to, you know, I mean, I teach audience etiquette from day one to all the kids. This is how we sit during performances. But other than that, I really just try and bring the creative side out. So that way, by the time we're in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I can really lay out these drama basics. By the time we're in seventh and eighth, they're doing student-run productions, uh, student-run scenes and things like that. So when we're in that younger grade, I just really, I just have fun with it. I just do what I would have loved to have done in my school day when I was their age. Uh, I have them walk in the classroom, walking like their favorite animal, or we sit down and we you know, imagine we're eating our favorite food really quick and then we get started to the story time. Just the randomest, littlest things I can do to get them out of, I need to sit crisscross applesauce hands in my lap and not move. I, cause sometimes I need that, <laughs> but sometimes I'm just like, let's just be really silly right now. And I think they get a real kick out of seeing a teacher mooing like a cow and, you know, Silly, silly things like that. So I just try and give my students the same space that was so important to me with Dawn and my friends uh, after school and on weekends. I try and give them that in the middle of the school day. That's wonderful. Are you still in touch with Dawn? Yes and no. We're Facebook friends. Uh, so I think, I think that's in touch these days. <laughs> we, you know, sort of comment on things here and there. But I definitely, I think she knows sort of the impact she's had. There's no way she can't. Uh, she definitely knows because I wouldn't have gone into HF, home with Baltimore High School. Uh, I wouldn't have gone into there and done theater if it wasn't for her. I wouldn't have had this whole career if it wasn't for her. So That's I can definitely reach out to her again and just say, hey, what's up? You should. You should definitely do that. So I talk a little bit more about your high school experience because I know um, the program at, at Homewood Flossmore is um, – is really special. Um, and, and JR and, and I know now Dina Cassidy, um, who is there with him. Um, there, there's a a big focus on the community of Homewood Flossmore Mm -hmm. as well as, um, social justice issues. And knowing what I know about you, I know how important that is. And I, I can only believe that was kind of a, one of those, those moments that kind of shaped who you are during that time there. So talk a little bit more about, about that. Absolutely. Yeah, the program at HF is one of a kind. We do about seven productions. We do as if I'm still a high school student there. But I still claim I'm a Viking forever through and through. We did uh, seven productions a year, including like competitive pieces. Uh, We did a musical, a children's play, and just had such a wide variety of production. Uh, But that's not only the production after school aspect is unique in its own we have an had an entire curriculum through um the school day that you would progress through and it started i actually didn't take the classes though till sophomore year but freshman year you would start out in an intro to theater course which is all basics 
of, you know, intro to improv, pantomime, things like that. Uh, sophomore year is supposed to be like an advanced acting course. And then there was playwriting and directing, which I took my junior year. And that really is what shaped my whole everything. Um, once I, I remember Mr. Rose, I still kind of call him that. Uh, once JR told we, I just remember so distinctly this lesson where we were sitting in the house and there was a group on the stage and we, he talked about like the rule of thirds and just like the power play of having people standing in thir a triangle, but you know, they're not really standing in a triangle, but they're just the different angles of the stage. And that changed my life. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's nuts. Playwriting and directing class really changed everything for me because it was really when we started getting into directing and just, you know, working with other actors, how you communicate with people. And then when you talk about this, uh, the community and social justice piece that I think it's the way you talk to your actors is, and not just in this way of, all right, I'm the director. Here's what I need you to do. That was where like I was subconsciously getting all of that, but it was just the way things were done. I didn't realize that people had different director styles. Unfortunately, <laughs> so I got to ISU and we had directing scenes. I was like, oh, hold on. Like, <laughs> you're not going to, you know, include me in this discussion because I think that's so important as a director to take in your actor's natural instincts. If you disregard any natural instinct they have, that's how you get scenes that feel pretty phony. So I think in at HF, you know, when we were working in small groups, having those discussions among your actors that was super high level stuff what i was doing at 16 years old so that's that just really played into it a lot just the level of respect that you have for the people you work with how to communicate with people you have different ideas with or you have different ideas from and yeah and then senior year we were in this theater seminar and it was basically just sort of it was during the same hours playwriting and directing now it's this whole aesthetic now it's a different curriculum and they've continued to evolve it. But when I was there, it was just like an hour to support the playwriting and directing class and also sort of look into college applications, look into next steps and having that time where you had a, someone as experienced as JR to support your college steps, to support your apps, to support, to, oh, can you write this letter of rest for me? Uh, was super, super helpful. I couldn't imagine not having that hour my senior year to sort of wrap my head around being a senior mm -hmm. as well as what was going to happen next for me. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's very cool. Um, and then, and then your time at ISU, I, I, I worked very, very closely with you for all four years. And, um, I, I think I wrote in your, your graduation card from me that um, and I, I want people to, to, to know this because I think it's important to acknowledge those students who impacted you as teachers, um, that you pushed me to be a better teacher. Um, because you were one of those people I could depend on to tell me like it is. And, and I, just as I would give you the good and I'll be your biggest cheerleader, but I'm going to be the first to let you know when you messed up, you were that for me. And I, I needed that. And I appreciated that. So talk about your time at ISU and, um, your experiences there and you were busy. Like you were, you were always doing something. So, so talk yeah. about how that shaped who you are as a teacher. 
Definitely. I was booked and busy all the time. <laughs> ISU, there was never really, like, there would be, like, no dull moments, I would say. There would be times where it's like, okay, I can finally rest. But it was like the, like, finally resting, you know? So there was always something to do. I, we started classes. We had, Jimmy would have us at class at 7.30 in the morning. Oh, I need you to know also that, you know, some, okay, sometimes my alarm would go off while we were in class at 7.30. And it would be my 7.30 alarm. And everyone kind of looked at me. And I would be like, you know, if I didn't wake up in time, <laughs> I, w- I, w- I still had to make sure I got up at least at, at some time. So my, I, that still happens at work today. School starts at 8.45. I have my 8.45 alarm going off. You know, sometimes, sometimes I... <laughs> things happen okay so it was never it's not personal it's just who i am apparently uh but i am a very timely person let that let the record show uh, this is days where things happen anyway my time at isu i i just cherish that time so much i think back and there's no other major i think i could have graduated in i don't think i would have been successful in other, any other area not because i'm not capable not because i'm not a super well-rounded person because i am it's just that the support that I got from you and Cody and Melanie and our small, tight, close-knit program, I could not have gotten that anywhere else. Even other educa- the education program at a whole at ISU is amazing, but they're so large. You know, you major in early elementary ed and you've got about 500 people who are also majoring in that same thing. And how does, I don't understand how that professor can, you know, make sure that person is on task every single step of the way. Your, the journals you would have us write really, really would allow for me to stop. And I'd, I'd be a little annoyed, like, I don't want to write what I think right now. But that would also be something I needed to write out. Was, okay, why don't I need to want to write what I think right now? Why do I think I'm too busy to just stop and let out these thoughts? And that was where I think it didn't take, it wasn't until, you know, unfortunately COVID, my end of junior year, where I was like, oh, stopping and thinking and resting and processing is really, really crucial. Mm-hmm. So especially being a good teacher, it's now that I, I have a journal on me at all times now uh, during the school day where something will happen. I'll, I have the class leave. I flip that book home. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what in the world was that? Why is this happening? I need to talk to someone about this. Blah, 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 and I just let it all out. Because if you don't let it all out, it will come out at some point or another. And so your journals were just so, I just, I loved doing those. Even if I didn't think I did at the time, looking back, <laughs> I definitely appreciated, appreciated having that as an assignment. Um, what else at ISU? Yeah, I, we took so many well-rounded classes that I use every single day. You know, we took directing. We had our time where we were just focused on being a theater teacher with you we had our education core classes. And then on top of that, I decided my junior year, I had to take a social science course and I took an anthropology course. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this rocks, this is cool. And so I added that minor and I loved bringing that up in like job interviews because they're like, oh, she's really into like the behavior aspect of why people do the way they do, uh, why people move the way they do. And so I took that, with me every single day. I consider myself a social scientist as well because I'm, you know, really interested in the behavior aspect of the things that happen in my classroom, which I would love to get into because uh, behavior in the classroom is just a whole different 
after COVID, I don't think any of us <laughs> knew what was to come, but we'll get there. So Illinois State University, I just, that theater education program is really something special. And then, yeah, my junior year, I was, you know, we went home for a two week extended break. And then I came back in August and then there were just so many COVID scares like every weekend. And I was working at the time, I was supporting a family uh, with their students, uh, with their children. And I was, they had three kids and I was supporting them uh, with their like uh, distance learning and with just like having some sort of routine while mom and dad were working from home. And I could I, think my, everyone who I was, had to be around, you know, it was, oh, my coworker was exposed. So we all have to quarantine and all this stuff. So I was like, I'm going home. This is too much. So I went home and I literally have not been back to Illinois State since. That was October 2020. Yeah. So that's, I, I think I would love to go back and it's going to come full circle with theater festival. I'm so excited to be back. And I definitely am going to have to do like a sentimental walk around campus and things like that, because that school really was so special to me. Hey, theater educators, this is Jimmy Chrisman. If you have ever wondered how you can support the podcast in any way, well, I'm about to tell you. Dead Talks Podcast has always been and will always be a free podcast that I put out there for you teachers. I know you don't make a lot of money. I don't make a lot of money as a university professor. But if the podcast is something that has helped you out or that you just really want to find a way to support us, this is how. Visit www.buymeacoffee.com slash talk. PC. And there you can make a donation right to the expenses of the show to help offset those costs. I thank you in advance for what you will do. Thank you for those of you who have donated. I appreciate it. And even if you can't make a donation, I still appreciate you. Just continue to listen and continue to share. That website again is www.buymeacoffee.com slash PC. Well, I'm excited to have you back and be working with you this year on the committee. Um, it's, yes. it's, it's really exciting for me because every year there's one or two more of, of, of my kids from ISU who are joining the committee as professionals and, and helping steer yes. the ship for, for theater education in the state. So that's, it's, really, it's really cool for me to see that too. And I think you have to credit yourself with how we've gotten to that point because you really made sure that we knew the importance of this festival. You know, I didn't go this past year because my kids don't qualify. We're not high school kids. But I was like, I, I just got so busy. And I was like, wait, wait, the event is coming up. How come I'm not doing a workshop? Because it, you made us do a workshop when we were seniors. And that was just such, so, so cool. It was so nerve wracking at the time. But now I'm like, oh, my gosh, I could do that with my eyes closed. That would be a blast. <laughs> and so, but get you making sure that we followed through with those commitments, that we were volunteering, that we, that you selected students to be a part of that student committee. We had our foot in the door before we even graduated. So, you know, makes sense that they want to reach out to these <laughs> amazing you know, alum who, who know what, who know how things go around, around there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I want to, I want to, I guess, pull the rain clouds in just a little bit and let's talk about the COVID time because you, yeah. you, um, 
you did your capstone project during COVID. You did your student teaching during COVID. <laughs> and I know there were some rough spots during that for you. Um, but then coming out of it, going into your first year of teaching, you didn't have that in-person interactions with students and the learning of classroom management on your feet with kids. You, you entered this and then you went into elementary, which I know was not where you thought you were going to be. So talk a little bit about that experience and how that kind of led to, to here. <laughs> yeah. When you really lay it out like that, it's like, man, what is, what am I, what happened? <laughs> yeah. I, so yeah, senior year was all online and yeah, did my capstone project on there. But that in itself was really special because we were able to collaborate with the students from among the different high schools in the community. And so I sort of felt like they were getting what I cherished so much from when I was younger and would did community theater because I was working with kids from the neighboring junior highs and elementary schools. It wasn't all just kids from my school. And so I felt like, you know, they had their online classes all day where they're with the same kids and whatnot. And then we had my rehearsal and we, I was, you know, trying out all different sorts of theater games through online, which if you did that, you know, just that awkwardness when it doesn't work the way it was supposed to work or that satisfaction when it does work the way it was supposed to work and even better. So I felt like I gave this hour or so to, you know, combining this group of students from across the Bloomington Normal community and I was all the way in, in Homewood in the South Suburbs and we still were connected. We still put on a production and the production was all about working together as a team. And it was, that was really satisfying for me. I think I was like, yeah, it's online, it's whatever. But when we saw, like when we had sort of had the premiere of the productions, I was so proud of it. And I was so like watching with my family. I was like, look, like I did that. Like we, we did it together. Um, but yeah, I had that capstone project and then yeah, student teaching was all online. I student taught with Don F. Kennedy High School in Chicago Public Schools and I was placed with a social science teacher because at the time I was supposed to get a social science endorsement. Never ended up doing that because don't need to, <laughs> but it was at the time, you know, sort of like a little bit of a fallback because, you know, drama teacher positions aren't, you know aren't super available all the time. And so I just was going to pursue that, but then I ended up not needing to. So I was placed with a U.S. history class and a, uh, a drama, uh, it was like sophomore level drama. And yeah, there were some struggles with the, <laughs> with the student teaching experience, uh, you know, and that was where I was really utilizing the skills of communication and, and also being an advocate for my students. I felt at my, I highly doubt he's going to listen to this. I'm not obviously going to name drop, but I can talk about how, you know, he clearly was exhausted from the year that they had had and was just not super welcoming to any sort of ideas, period. <laughs> like, like he just really did not really want to welcome me as the co-teacher, as the student teacher that he was supposed to be passing classes on to. But luckily, there was a, a, a support staff in that classroom. I really don't, uh, Becca Kajak, mm -hmm. love her, still talk to her. Uh, mm -hmm. She has definitely been a, a person I can look to, especially in Chicago public schools. She's actually a principal now at a different school. 
and she's just amazing. Had to shout her out. Um, and so she was a really great support for me for advocating for my students. And she was like, no, your plans are great. This idea is great. Let's push it. Let's do it. And so having her at my side and obviously having you, Jimmy, on my side was amazing because then we were able to, you know, make the shift that I needed, but I was going to push through regardless. It wasn't until you said, Sarah, I'm not going to have you work with him anymore. I We're going to make alternative adjustments that I was like, oh, okay. You know, I, I knew it was rough, but I was sort of, it is what it is. I'm going to push through. And when you, that, and that has taught me an element of self-care and self-preservation that I didn't know I needed to learn because I was going to continue to subject myself to that mistreatment, really. Uh, but you were the advocate for me and Becca Kajek was an advocate for me. And obviously Renee Stone and Annette, Oh, I still don't know her last name, but we just called her Miss O. Uh, they were amazing. So I worked with Renee Stone as my cooperating teacher. And then we were able to make this shift where I was working with a theory of knowledge class, which was super cool because I, that brought in my anthropology mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And that definitely, I definitely miss the high school setting a lot because you're really able to get into the deeper, uh, deeper level of subjects that you really can't with second and third and fourth grade. And so I do definitely miss high school. And, but it was so shifting into where I'm at now. There were no high school jobs. I applied. And then the only people that really seemed interested in me was my school that I'm at now. And it's, I'm in North Lawndale, which if you know anything about the you know, layout of Chicago, it's in the like, lower West side, which comes with its own set of, complications. Um, I, I have students dealing with really complex trauma histories, daily tra traumatic experiences, and then I'm hired to teach preschool to eighth grade theater. And so, yeah, there, I simply was got there because I needed a job. And then once I got there, yeah, I went in <laughs> with no experience. Or not no, because I do have experience with every single grade level prior to my job, but not in the capacity that mm -hmm. I was with that first day of school. Uh, yeah, so I just, I don't even know what was in my head <laughs> at that time where, you know, I, I was brought into this position to teach drama. And I just, I just do the best I can every day. I'm constantly reaching out to other elementary teachers I am so I I really do like teaching in Chicago public schools especially as an arts teacher in CPS because they're working the Department of Arts is working really hard to connect all of us because they know that we are the standalone people in our school I'm really lucky in that I have a music teacher who we work really closely every day and he's given me so much support and so many resources to working with this age group and it's just a it's it's a challenge every single day because I'm pushing myself to pr provide the best curriculum that I can when there is no set curriculum. Hmm. Uh, so I just every single day do the best I can, and you know, like I said, with the younger kids really focus on imagination. The um, I have a, some sort of uh, something for each grade band that we work to accomplish. Fourth grade, I wanted us to do community based projects. Whatever that looks like is what it looks like. Fifth grade is really drama basic, learning about subtext, learning about stage directions, learning about that sort of thing. 
And I just have something like that for each grade level. Once I simplified it to that, I sort of let go of the stress of making sure I meet each standard and I have a new standard for each this and blah, 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 blah. This year I was like, okay, standards will get met. Period. They will get met. Right now, what my kids need is a space to learn, a space to explore, a space to be silly and try new things. And the standards and everything will come later. I'm lucky in that I don't have like the standardized test that a lot of my colleagues do of like make, well, I, I do have a, an exam I have to give out, but it's more judging me. And I just like, for me, it is what it is, you know? my students had never had a drama experience prior to me. Other, they did after school productions, but not during the school day. And so, and even then they haven't, hadn't done a production in three years. And so, yeah, I just, I just really do my best. <laughs> like, yeah, I, we both did not think I was going to end up in an elementary school and here I am a year and a half in doing it. <laughs> well, but in, 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 like you and I have chatted before, I mean, this may be just one stop on your journey and you, you, you may end up in a high school one day doing amazing things. Yeah. And, but I think, I think it's really fun how fun and interesting how the, the, the fates kind of align for us. And, and we're, I think we're where we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be there. And Absolutely. Um, I think you're providing a wonderful space for those kids, those, those kids who suffer and deal with trauma every day when they go home, a place to come and just breathe and laugh and play. And, and mm-hmm. you, you can't minimize that. You can't minimize the impact of that. And, and mm-hmm. you providing that space for them is very special, very sacred. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I'm not going to lie. There are really rough days mm-hmm. where I may be the worst class they have because whatever I as a human I'm dealing with whatever I am meeting the students with, whatever they bring me that day, sometimes it's really, really rough. I have seen fights and I've been called names and, you know, a lot of the student behaviors right now are really, really challenging and it's nothing like I ever anticipated, but you know, like I said, I just one day at a time, I allow each student a new fresh plate when I'm wrong, I apologize because I know that's super important to have an adult in your life who owns their error. And I just each day do the best that I can with, with what I have, you know? So, so I I appreciate your, your compliment, but I do also know that there are days where I, I struggle to create that safe space. I struggle to make it as welcoming as it, as I would want it to be. And I, the only thing you can do though, as an educator is to own that and to know that you can make steps to, to be better. Something that helps me with classroom management is the commute of having relationships with the families and the parents. What I do love about teaching preschool to eighth grade is I've got so many siblings. I've got so many cousins. I've got so many, they're my niece and they're my, that's my auntie in this class. And I got so much of that. So I'm like, do I need to go get so-and-so down the hall? And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, because you wouldn't want them to be seeing how you're acting for me. So let's pull that together. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. So I do love that aspect of it, of having entire families who who know me and love me and, you know, oh, my sister said that you guys worked on this. Like, can we try that? I'm like, yeah, go for it. Because I love that they're talking about my class. They're talking about the things they're enjoying and things like that. So that's definitely something, little, little tip in there is create relationships with families. Uh, and, that, and that goes a long, long way. 
You mentioned a little bit ago when you were talking about uh, student teaching, and and I know it began with you before um, those experiences in student teaching. Um, the the that acknowledgement of the need for self care and for mm-hmm. for replenishing your battery and taking care of you. Um, talk a little bit more about that because I know you you post things on your Instagram. Um, all the time uh, of, of little tips and tricks and things that you do. Um, talk about that, that a little bit about that journey for you and, and what that looks yes. like now. I think I, I don't want to say the benefits of COVID because that does not sound good, <laughs> but the benefits of, you know, that, that's the sort of shift in discourse around taking care of yourself and your own boundaries and doing things that only fulfill you. I think I'm a, lucky in that I'm in this generation that is not tolerating anything less and this shift in work culture that won't allow for our balance we are I feel like there's a, a a population of us that are no longer tolerating anything less than we deserve and so for me day one I left work at work I get there at the time I'm supposed to be I leave as soon as it's time for me to clock out and that's that and I haven't known anything otherwise. I think a lot of teachers who before this shift, they're there till four, five, six o'clock because that's what they know. And so for me, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm not paid at four, five, six o'clock. So I'm not going to do that. I now have a dog I have to take care of. I have a partner I want to make sure that relationship fulfilled. My family's all in the city. I want to make sure we have time to meet and get dinner and things like that. And so... I just have refused to work, to provide any unpaid labor, frankly. I just don't think it's acceptable. And I think that, here I go, I think the entire education system relies on the backs of teachers who provide unpaid labor. And once I decided that, oh, no, I don't do that. (laughs) Like, there was, I don't see any other side of it. I bring work home. I can probably count on two hands the amount of times I've brought work home in the last year and a half. Uh, And that's because I know it'll make my day better the next day. Or if I have something to grade, I'm like, I just really need to get graded. Let me just sit and mindlessly do it on the TV. But that's to support myself. If I didn't want to do that, then I wouldn't do it. But there's days where I'm like, yeah, let me just do this because I feel like doing it from the couch. I can do it from the couch. That's that. But, you know, part of, you know, where every single day can sometimes be a battle. The last thing I want to do is be in the war zone longer than I need to, you know, so I need to go home. I need to get in the car, turn up the music and be a different person when I come home. Because if I carry that with me at home, I I would not be happy. And I would not have the energy to come in with a fresh plate the next day. So yeah, I, I leave work at work. I, I, this year did my first after school thing. I put on a, a musical, but with that, you know, I, w- I was being paid. So there came with that joy of, oh, I can't provide these experiences because I know I'm being uh, compensated for my effort and my work. But yeah, I just don't, I refuse to take work home. And that sounds so crazy to some people like, well, but how would I get anything done? And that's just mm-hmm. so stressful and this and that. Okay. <laughs> For me, I just, um, if it doesn't get done the next day, then I, I'm really good on my feet at, in the classroom. If something doesn't work, boom, I've got something else already ready to go. And it might not be what is supposed to be. It might not be, it might take us off track, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, we need to take care of ourselves or 
this job would not be sustainable at all. There's already so many day-to-day battles that are not sustainable in the education system. The last thing we need is to bring that home with us and have that impact our relationships and our families and our pets and our livelihoods. So yeah, I just, I don't, don't do that. I make sure that I'm putting myself first and what I need first. I take my benefit days when I need to, and I'm working really hard and not feeling guilty about it. That is something that I, I just can't control. I do wonder, oh my gosh, are my kids wondering where I'm at? I unfortunately had COVID the week before we came back from winter break. So I missed the first three days coming back from school after not seeing my kids for over two and a half weeks. And I just couldn't help but think like, do they, they know I'm coming back? Do they know that I, this, you know, are they missing me? Especially my littles, you know, they don't have the sense of mm. object permanence and things <laughs> like that. So I, there is a sense of guilt that you just can't help as an educator. But what's important is that you're not letting that control your decision. So yeah, I'm, I'm just very cutthroat when it comes to it, because I know if I let myself waver in that, I, I would let myself get walked over. Are you a regular listener of Fed Talks and have always wondered how you can be a guest on the show? Well, this is how you sign up to be a guest on Fed Talks and join the ranks of all the other amazing theater educators that have been on the show. All you do is go to www.fedtalks.com and right at the top of the page, there's a link that says register as a guest. Click that and then you'll be taken to a page where you fill out some information and hit submit. And Once you do, you'll be taken to a scheduling link where you can schedule a time to have interview with me and share your stories and resources here on the show. You may think, oh, I don't really have something to talk about. Nobody wants to hear my stories. You know what? Every single guest who I have talked to has pretty much said the same thing. And we have a fantastic conversation. And hopefully those stories and what you're hearing keep bringing you back. So I promise you, you have things that people want to hear. And I want to hear from you. www.fedtalks.com and click register as a guest. Stop thinking about it and just do it. I can't wait to talk to you soon. Uh, and I think it's I think it's important to have those conversations because there are I teachers of my generation and and, and older and and even some younger who if if you're not committing everything you've got all the time to those kids then you're a lazy teacher. You're you don't care about what you're doing. You don't care about the craft. You don't care about the art that you're working with those kids on. And and I Sorry, teachers, if you're listening to your car, but I'm going to say this to turn it down if your kids are nearby. But that's bullshit. You know, that's that's just not okay. That that's not right. And and I come mm-hmm. from having that mentality to a huge shift in in my life when when I met my partner and when I moved up mm-hmm. here and I was done teaching at at two o'clock in the afternoon and I was expected to go home and see my kids and do homework with them and, and fix dinner and just watch TV in the evening and, and be, um, I didn't know how mm-hmm. to, I didn't know how to do that my first year at ISU. Cause I was so used to being at school by six o'clock to make sure I got to the copier for as long as I needed to, to, mm. you know, seven, eight o'clock rehearsals, sometimes performances until 10 or 11 and then getting, grabbing McDonald's on the way home to go to bed and get up and do it again. And, that's not a sustainable life, like you said. And I, I, I appreciate mm-hmm. I appreciate the energy of I'm gonna feel so old when I say this, Sarah, and I'm sorry, but the, the younger generation who's <laughs> saying, No, no, we're worth more than that and our time and mm-hmm. our, our expertise is worth more than that. So so thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
Oh, I appreciate that. I think also shout out to partners of theater teachers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because my boyfriend, he's a software developer. And we have got, that's totally different from being a preschool to eighth grade elementary teacher. So he's definitely supported me in that, in, in everything that I do, emotionally and mentally and things like that. And physically, sometimes he's cutting laminated things. But, um, you know, I also see his side of work where it is, more it's corporate and it's this time to this time and the benefits that he gets and things like that and i'm like huh if i if i'm not satisfied what i'm doing corporate jobs are loving teachers right now you know so there could be another another part of my life where that's the route i take if i continue to feel like my boundaries are being overrun right now i'm so stuck i'm i'm very strict in holding my own boundaries so i don't really foresee that However, there are other routes and opportunities for everybody out there. And if you feel like you're not appreciated, if you feel like you're being overworked and underpaid, which, okay, yes, we are. But if you feel like it's to the point where you're constantly stressing about bills, you're constantly stressing about your time and not having enough time, 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 then let's pursue another route. There are other options for us, especially as theater teachers. We are we're so good at everything, really. <laughs> we're good at flexibility time management, communication, management, working with a small group, being a leader, collaborating. There's so many skills that we have that other corporations and jobs and schools and districts would love for us to be at. So you just need to, I feel like teachers need to remember that, that you are so valuable that you are not replaceable, whether people say that or not. Eventually they'll run out of teachers if we continue with that mindset. So Remember your, remember your value for sure. I think I would love to just talk about teaching in an urban area a little bit more because it is so, so different from what I expected. I learned so much from ISU, but like you said, until I was in that, I didn't have that in person uh, on my feet with kids until I got there. And so I think I just really want to touch on being an urban educator, which I sort of hate that word urban. I just sort of hate it. I don't really know why I can't place it entirely, but you know, working with such a diverse population across one of the largest cities in the world, I think is an experience that, you know, it's, it's, it's really nuts because I'm also part of one of the largest teachers unit, uh, unions in the country, which in itself, I really love. There's nothing I love more than, you know, if I feel like something's a little off, well, let me slip through this, this union contract thing, make sure everything's in place. Because I know my rights. I know my, my like going back to what I was just saying, I know my values. So I just want to speak to that a little bit. You know, there, it, being a part of a teacher's union, especially one as powerful as CTU, is something that I cherish. I couldn't imagine being a teacher without such a strong union to back me and my colleagues at any point. There's, there's just so many benefits to that. And there's also so many downsides to that. We saw, you know, last year, I'm in my first year of teaching, and there, I were literally having a mayoral debate. Like, mm -hmm. it was, like, the actual mayor is involved in, like, she signs my paychecks. And she's so heavily involved with the things that we, with, with Chicago Public Schools, which in itself comes with its own challenges. And so that's, just, there's just so much, that that you know we didn't get to learn at ISU because there's only so much time in the day and so many credits are earned but that's it's it's really really cool and so I definitely want to speak out to this because there is 
actually a like program to getting drama and music and dance teachers into CPS because there's not that many of us. And so if you're listening and you're a new teacher, uh, definitely reach out because I would love to point you in the direction of these programs that are wanting to support new drama, dance and music teachers because we need more of them. And we're a cool little community. I've got this really cool, every month we have these community of practice meetings, which is amazing because it's just over like an hour and a half of time with people who get it. Other drama teachers across the city who are dealing with exactly what I'm dealing with, you know, that, and, and they just get it. And so there is, be, there are resources being put behind funding this. And so if you're listening, Chicago Public Schools, while it is a struggle that smaller districts do not have sometimes, there also are so many benefits to being mm. a part of such a diverse city. And I also think Chicago is the best city in the world. So come join me over here. I think that'd be great. I didn't know I was going to be doing some outreach stuff on this, but <laughs> definitely if you're, I, I just think there's, I, I really couldn't see myself teaching outside of CPS. I, I really value what I'm learning from my students, what I learned from my colleagues. There's a certain sort of backbone you've got to have to be a city teacher. And you know, it is what it is. Well, I, th- I think it's really cool. It's, Sarah, I think you, I think you had that backbone all along. Um, I think, I think <laughs> you were, you were made for, for that. And and just knowing what I know about you through our time at ISU, and then specifically your your teaching semester, and some of the really crappy things you put up with for that for that semester, and you know, I, I, I think it's. Mm, it's not my story to share, so I'm going to move on. But I think it's I think you um, I think you have that backbone, and I think there are people made for communities and for 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 districts like where you are. Um, and I also think I mean there, there there are people who are made for you know that one high school in the middle of the cornfield, you know, and mm-hmm. where everyone in that district knows they're going to that school, and and that's okay. Um, and I but I, I appreciate you sharing that, and if. Um, if you are okay, I can put uh, some contact information for people to reach out to you on, on your, your page when this comes out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, Sarah, my final two questions are the ones that I ask everyone on the show. Uh, the first is what is a resource that you are using or have used that is a must have for theater teachers? I was thinking about this last night cause I knew you were going to ask <laughs> And I think, okay, what do I use every single day in my classroom? And it's a chime and a bell. I have this doorbell from Amazon and it's say last year, I'm constantly one, two, three eyes on me, three claps, like all this stuff. And I was, when the class will not be quiet, you're raising your volume and then you're saying, I need everyone to be quiet, but your voice is up here. So why would they match you? Where Like, why would they get lower when you've already met? been at the limit and so for me something that's been super helpful with classroom management is a doorbell from amazon you literally plug it into the wall and then i have a little doorbell piece where i just push the button and the kind that i have has like so many different kinds of sounds i like to switch it up every once in a while but i teach my students day one that when you hear this bell we get level zero we get eyes on me whatever you're holding so for the younger kids i usually say hands on your head for the older kids sometimes we'll just say like hands folded or just hands free um and so that 
doorbell has saved my life. I don't even have to say anything anymore. I just press the bell and everyone looks to me. That helps with rehearsals as well because, you know, when I've got an entire cast that's doing whatever and I need everybody to be on the same page, I same thing because they're all in my classes. So that doorbell I owe my life to. And then for the littler <laughs> kids, when I need it a little bit more often, um, I use a, I have a, my coach provided me a, like a chime, like a little musical chime. And so I just ding and, you know, hands on their head, eyes on me, you freeze, things like that. So definitely some sort of thing where you're not raising your voice because nothing feels more silly than when you raise your voice as high as it can go. And you're like, I need a level zero. It's just, it's not a good look. So <laughs> a chime for sure, a bell for sure. Some, and the kids respect it more because they know I'm not going to raise my voice. They know it's not going to escalate. They just know the expectation of it now. And it has made my life so much easier. Well, and that comes with your consistency with it, too. And being consistent with your own. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> not going to yeah. put more into this than you. <laughs> Ding! That's great. That's great. Yep. And my final question is, what are your parting words of wisdom for that new teacher entering the field or that veteran just needing an encouraging word right now? I think I sort of touched on it earlier when I did, and I just really want to hit the nail on the head getting this point across is you are so valuable. You are not replaceable. Sure, they may, if you left your school right now, yeah, they'll fill in a body in your classroom, but it's not you. And it's not the magic that you bring every single day. It's not the, the energy that your students are look, that they look forward to. You are so valuable. Don't let any admin or colleagues or students or parents of students or families of students make you feel otherwise. Know your worth. Don't do any unpaid labor. It's easier said than done, or at least limit the amount of unpaid labor you're willing to do. Uh, like, I just hold your boundaries firm. You are so valuable, and don't let anybody ever make you feel otherwise. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Sarah Esparza, thank you so much for joining me this morning. And I am so proud of you. And I love seeing your successes and I love seeing your struggles too, because those are important. And um, I'm looking forward to working with you on the committee this year. Just keep doing all yes. the amazing things you're doing and being the light that you are. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for providing the space for so many different educators everywhere for us. Thank you. Thank you. And that is a wrap for this episode of Fed Talks Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please visit our website at www.fedtalks.com where you can find all of the past guest pages with their valuable resources and lots more information on the website for you. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider so that it automatically populates in your podcast app so you don't have to miss a single episode. Please rate us, leave us those five stars, review us, tell us what you're liking, and more importantly, share the podcast with all of those theater educators in your life who you think could benefit from what we're doing here on the show. You can email me at jimmy at fedtalks.com and I will always respond. I love interacting with you on there. Visit us on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, Facebook, the Fed Talks page, and on Instagram, Fed Talks Podcast. Teachers, I appreciate you. I love you. And I am so grateful for all that you're doing and the light that you're bringing to this world. Continue to change those students' lives and continue to make a difference in the world. Join us next week for a new episode. I'm your host, Jimmy Chrisman. Have an amazing week.